Father, we do thank you for the favour that you have shown humanity by revealing yourself to us. We thank you for the revelation that came through Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Father, that you will continue your favour as you reveal truth to us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> there was no recording last week, so I'm going to repeat the brief introduction from last week. But I want to do it fairly quickly, so I'm going to sit and uh, read virtually what I have written. <clears throat> okay. We're looking at the book of Colossians 3, 1 to 17, over these next few weeks, entitled Living a New Life. Now, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church of, in the town of Colossae, which is what is in now, in, now in eastern Turkey. Paul had never been to the church, but it appears to have been planted while Paul was preaching in Ephesus during his two-year stay there. As is it written in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 to 10 of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. The church was planted by a man named Epaphras, who is mentioned in the book of Colossians 1, verse 7. And he's now visiting Paul to report on the state of the church, many good things but some concerns that may now be taking them away from the true good news of Jesus. Paul was in prison in Rome at the time of writing this letter, so Epaphras had come to visit Paul in Rome. So we'll be looking at chapter 3, 1 to 17 for the next few weeks. In my Bible, this passage is called Rules for Christian Living. Can you please remember if that title is also in your Bible that Paul did not write that title and he would not have been happy with that title because Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's about living in the freedom that God has given to us and, and enabling us to emulate the life that he would like to live if he was here. As I said, um, in the last series that we did, Paul and Vic spoke on reading the Bible and learning to understand the Bible. And I encourage you to, to listen to those two series which you can get on the website. So as we look at this book of Colossians, it's actually a letter, as we say, written by Paul. It was written um, after the day of Pentecost, about 30 years into the life of the new church. Last week we looked at verses 1 and 2, this week we'll be looking at verses th 3 and 4. But even as we read those verses, which I'll read in a minute, you need to read around them to understand them. The verses read like this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And if you just read those verses, there's a danger where you think, oh, well, all I've got to do is to have my heart and my mind set on heaven. And I can go off and be a monk or a nun, or I can just be, spend my life praying and just... Oh, even prophetic dancing, swaying around. I don't need to think about dinner. I don't need to think about looking after the kids. I've just got to be heavenly minded. 
That's not what Paul was after when he wrote these verses. Paul's aim in writing these verses is to equip us to live in the world full of freedom, full of joy, full of power to the glory of God and be the church together that is changing and challenging this world in which we live. That is Paul's aim in these verses. It is to so equip us that we live in this world as people who are challenging and changing the world in which we live. That is what we are to do. The early church in 40 years turned the world upside down and in different periods of church history the church has done the same thing and we need that now in our nation and to do that we need a church that is walking victoriously and gloriously in the power of God because our world desperately needs to see the favour of God upon it. Paul is also concerned in writing this letter, this church, that there are teachings coming into the church which are bringing rules, regulations, judgmental attitudes that are eating away at the all-sufficiency of Jesus' death to reconcile man and women to God. And he's worried about that. So very, very quickly, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, we're going to whip through the first two chapters. Chapter 1... The first two verses are greetings from Paul to the church, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Paul worked in team. One other thing to say as you read these letters of Paul. Very often in our society, when we read the word you, we think of me, sort of you, you. Very often when Paul uses the word you, it is a plural you, and it talks of us. So when he talks about here, a lot of the use that he will use actually means the church. Because as we heard earlier, the church is one body. It is united together. It's one people made up of individuals who are united by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what the church is. All right, so Paul sends his greetings. And then in verses 3 to 8, he gives the church an assurance because he had never visited it. And the the assurance was... What you have heard, what you have believed is the true good news from Jesus. And he says it by saying, we've heard of your faith and we thank God for it. You heard the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel is growing around the world. Epaphras is a faithful teacher. And to sum up what he's saying, the gospel is as good as what it says on the box. And you have heard it. The good news of Jesus really is good news. Then in 9 to 14, Paul shares his prayer for them and with them. 15 to 20 is an amazing passage about Jesus and his total supremacy over every other rule, authority and power in the universe. 21 to 23 talks about how they were as individuals before they received the good news of Jesus. In 124 to 25, Paul talks about his struggles the way that he is praying for them as a church, for he wants them to come to maturity, and the way that he is praying for a church just down the road in Laodicea. And then he prays for them again. And then in chapter 2, he issues a series of warnings. And they are, (coughs) first, don't let anyone kidnap you. Don't be deceived, don't be entrapped by worldly thinking. Um, Don't be entrapped by thinking you must 
conform to the world you live in. I was, uh, <laughs> I was looking at my sermon earlier in the week. I suddenly noticed there's been a change. I used to get lots of spam about various medical sort of thing, medicines that I could take which would enhance my life, allegedly. I don't know if they've realised how old I am. <laughs> but now, 90% of my spam is all about how I can whiten my teeth. <laughs> and it's like, the world has become fixated with having white teeth. Well, as you can tell, I'm not conforming to the pattern of this world. <coughs> Then in 2.16, he goes on, don't let anyone condemn you about what you eat, about what you drink, etc., etc., about how you celebrate various festivals. You do what you feel in God you should be doing. And uh, for those who weren't here last week and won't hear this week, we talked a little bit about food there, but we're not going to because we haven't got time. And then finally, in 2.18, he says, do not let anyone disqualify you by saying you have to live by certain rules and regulations and the worship of angels. And then he came, came to chapter 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. And we talked about how what, that, what he was arguing was, look, don't, let, don't be kidnapped, don't let anyone disqualify you, don't let anyone condemn you, do remember that one, but set your heart on what God has done for you. Through Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, he has made, and through your repentance and faith and response to what Jesus has done, you have been changed, so you are now a holy and pure child of God who can come into the presence of the King of the universe and say, Father, I'm your child. And it doesn't matter what others say about what you have to wear, about what you have to eat and drink, what festivals, you stand alone, settled in your heart that it's because of what Jesus has done that you are now acceptable to the Father. And then we spoke about, and our minds fixated on heavenly things. We're then thinking, God, you have changed me. Now, how do I live? How do I live? What do I need to do to show the life that you have given me? And we ended last week with two illustrations. One of a butterfly, <coughs> a sort of a caterpillar, a world of caterpillars where everything was caterpillars and you just ate uh, cabbage, and then suddenly you go into your little cocoon and you come out completely different. And instead of eating sort of the cabbage on the ground, you're set free to fly through the earth and drink from the best nectar of the best plants. And that's the sort of transformation that becoming a Christian makes. And then the other um, was of Superman, just very, as he realised... I'm different from the world I live in. I came from the heavens and I now am empowered to do what others can't do. 
and how God has made us those sort of people by the empowering of his Holy Spirit. He's not made us better, in a sense, than anyone else. It's not that. But he has empowered us to live differently. And then we come to verse 3 and 4, <coughs> where Paul says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I read this verse like this. My heart says, yes, God, you have done it all for me. My mind says, yes, God, you've changed my life forever. I want to live forever. And then I wake up Monday morning. Or perhaps Paul wakes up in prison. And his heart says, yes. His mind says, yes. And his feelings go, no way. No way. Are you not aware, God, of the things I was thinking as I was waking up? Are you not aware of how I'm feeling? And Paul wants to really hammer it home to us that our condition is set. And so he says, as you've set your heart on things above, as you've set your minds on heavenly things, you can do it because you have died. Everything has changed. When our daughter's pet rabbit died, it was the end. We couldn't plug it in and resurrect it. It just lay there, dead. No life, nothing. Dead. We couldn't talk to it, it felt cold, it was dead. And Paul says, in Christ, we all died. We all died. Everything changed. In Romans 6, verse 5 and 6, Paul writes to another church, we have been, as we have been united in Jesus' death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Now, we don't understand how that happens, we don't, we can't, I can't today explain it to you how nearly 40 years ago on my bed as I cried out to God, God please scrub my brains out and give me another chance, I can't explain how somehow I died in that moment, all I know is when I woke up in the morning I had changed and I was a different person, I knew something had changed and in John 3 verse 5 Jesus utters a phrase which has been said time and time again. He says of Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven by flesh and blood. You must be born again. And that's why Christians are known as born, being born again. Because God, after repentance and faith, coming to God and asking for forgiveness, his Holy Spirit comes and brings us back into new life. He says, you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We're in Christ. That gives us security because just as God, the Father, loves and totally accepts the Son, when God looks at us today, he sees just loads of Jesuses, if not one Jesus together. and says, I love you. I love you. 
I see you as my beloved children because we are in Christ. We're secure. Why are we secure? Because in chapter 1, Paul had written, Jesus is supreme over everything. He is the number one ruler. Secondly, in chapter 2, Jesus has triumphed in his cross over all other powers and authorities. He has defeated them and it says made a public spectacle of them. He's taken all the other powers and authorities and said, hey, you nailed me on a cross, but I'm back again. I'm back again and you have had it. Jesus' life on earth was hidden. He got tired. He got hungry. He even got a little bit cross with some of his some of the disciples. It wasn't a glorious life. There was no beauty that people should desire him. I jokingly said to my wife this morning, that's where Jesus and I are different. (laughs) (laughs) You just cannot believe how arrogant people can be, (laughs) like me. Uh, We go on holiday tomorrow, this should be fun. (laughs) People didn't look at Jesus and say, Man, there's celebrity number one. They said, Who's he? He's a carpenter's son. He's illegitimate. He comes from Nazareth. It's like coming from Watford. I don't know why I said Watford then. (laughs) He knew what it was to live in poverty. He knew what it was to be humiliated. He knew what it was to be rejected and despised. But inside, there was the glory of God. The glory of God. And it says, when Christ who is your life appears, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So you may not feel the power of God every day. You may not feel like you are in Christ secure and you might not feel that you're loved by the Father. But you always are. And when Jesus comes again, Jesus who is your life, you will appear with him in glory. The Apostle John puts it just a little bit better than Paul in this. In 1 John chapter 3, he says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Jesus. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. 
but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. And just as we will see Jesus in all his glory, in all his majesty, in all his power, so there will be a revelation of the church of Jesus Christ, full of glory, full of power, full of majesty, full of wonder, because that is what we are now, because we are in Christ, in God now. Now, how do we sum up these verses? What does it mean for us? Because what's going to happen over these next few weeks is Paul's now going to say, because what you are, live like this. And that's why, in my Bible, it's called the rules of Christian living. But, it, but what Paul is not after here is suddenly, okay, now you're a Christian, now just, now just follow these rules. That's not what it's about. It's about living out what you are. So, before you became a Christian, you were over here. And you had the wrath of God pouring down on you because deep inside, I was, we were, you were in rebellion to God. At some point... Maybe we went to church, maybe we were just brought up in a Christian family, maybe friends told us about Jesus, maybe we had a vision, maybe we had a dream, maybe we just read the Bible, but we understood that actually God was over there and we were over here and the only way we could get across was if Jesus, if we accepted that Jesus had died for us and that Jesus alone was good enough to pay for all the, all the things that separated us from God. And so we walked across the cross of Jesus and in that cross, we died. And as we accepted the life of Jesus, so we were born again by the Holy Spirit and, and we're over here. We are a new creation, a new heart, a new life pumping through us. Now, choice for us is which way are we going to walk? We can never walk back across this cross because it's, we're separated now. But the trouble for us is we both died and didn't die. As you've noticed, you're all alive. And there's some of that old life over there that's still here. And some of us live like this. We know we're walking closer to God. We're growing up in God. We're coming to maturity in God. And so we're walking this way. Now, I hope that the sins that I did 40 years ago when I became a Christian and carried on doing things wrong, and I had to learn that getting drunk wasn't the right thing, lying wasn't the right thing, cheating wasn't the right thing, and I walked away from those things, I haven't become perfect by a long way. Those that wish to speak to my wife who will confirm this are welcome to afterwards. I'm not perfect, but I do know there are things that I'm not doing now that I did then, because I've learned, and the biblical word is sanctification, which begins with an S and ends with an N, <coughs> and has sanctification in the middle. Um, <laughs> but as we walk this way, there are things that we think... 
I am the world, one of the world's greatest procrastinators, and sometimes that's just wrong. And sometimes God doesn't want me to procrastinate. He wants me to do things. And I, I have to fight it. And sometimes it feels almost physical. Just go away. I, just, I, I know, God, you just want me to finish this. And I sort of drift back to over here and think, yeah, but why? Why? And maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drink, maybe it's pornography. But you're sort of battling it all the time. You think, when will it ever go away? Truth be told, it will go away when I am revealed in glory, when I die or when Jesus comes. It will. It will be gone. I will be perfect then, but not till then. And I'll have these constant battles. But we keep battling. And we, we draw strength from one another. We draw strength through prayer. We draw strength through the Bible. We, d- we draw, draw strength through the gift of the Holy Spirit, giving us self-control and enabling us to control our lives. You know, there are some people in this room and they're sort of, God's there, old life's there. I'm sort of here, I'm happy, I've grown a bit, I know a little bit about God. I'm sort of happy here, I like the world, I like to, you know, I'll get my teeth whitened because everyone says we should. (laughs) And you're not moving on in God. And today, remember that word? God wants all of us to move together. All of us to move together. All of us. And there are some of us that are actually really looking this way. We've tried walking this way, and it got a bit tough. Maybe we had some challenges. Maybe back here, we prayed, God, I need a thousand pounds. Boom, it came. Now it's, God, I need a fiver. Work for it, believe for it a bit more, pray for it a bit more. But in the old days, it was so easy. God says, yeah, but I'm your father and I'm teaching and I'm training you and I'm helping you understand how generous I am. But you're looking this way and you're thinking, actually, I did like it when I drank too much. I did like it when I lied a lot because it saved me a lot of trouble. I did, I just like pornography. I like, I like flirting around with lots of different people. I like just, just purely enjoying myself. Why can't I just impl- enjoy myself? Why can't I just satisfy the needs I have within you? And God is saying, because that person is dead. And you are a new person in me. And I want you to live as that new person and not as that old person. Because I have given my son Jesus I've given his life. I've poured out his blood. I made him sin. He who was so perfect, so pure, so wonderful. I made him the rubbish of the world. And I poured out my just judgment on him. I covered him in shame as he hung on the cross. And I did it because I love you and I want you to be able to enjoy the newness of life that comes through repentance and faith in my son. Let's stand. I'm just going to pray.
Father, I thank you for your favour on us. I want to ask you for a favour now. I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and to help each one of us assess with sober judgment where we stand with you at this moment. Are we those who are looking forward to the glory of God with a few battles behind us? Are we just standing still, thinking the world's good enough? Or are we facing backwards? Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Not to condemn, not to bring rules and regulations, but to so help us understand what it is to have newness of life in you, what it is to be hidden in Christ, in God, what it is to be your beloved children, what it is to be those who are waiting for the glorious return of Jesus when he will be revealed in glory and we will be revealed in glory. That, Lord Jesus, we will then walk as those who are glorious and are victorious. And as we, over the next few weeks, Look at how you want us to live. We will not face condemnation. We will not face a, f- face a fear of failure. But we will re- reach out into your favour and say, God, I need more of you. I need to know you more. I need to know more of your power. I've got 45 seconds. I'm going to tell you a quick story in that 45 seconds. This morning... Leslie and I were driving to church and we passed Swan and his family coming to church. So I thought, great. So I pulled over very quickly onto double yellow lines, creating a bit of a traffic jam and uh, was just about to stick my head out the window and say, we'll give you a lift. And then I discovered, then I remembered something. I had taken all the seats in my car out so I could bring the PA stuff to church. (laughs) I felt so embarrassed and such a wally, and I still don't know whether you know why I didn't pick you up in the end, because it came out all gobbledygook. (laughs) But it was because I had no seats in the car. I just didn't have the answer. God says this, and I say it on his behalf. He always has the answer. He has the power. He has the authority. Jesus has won once and for all. He has never promised anything that he cannot fulfill. And because of that, as we look at the next few verses, we can come back to God and say, God, we need you to inspire us, to empower us, that we will live lives worthy of the calling you have given to us. So let's be heavenly minded so that we can do the work of Jesus on earth. Amen. It's six minutes past. Please go and get your children.